Welcome to episode 74 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast featuring conversations in Canadian theatre with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. If you want to drop me a line to tell me what you think or to suggest somebody I should really talk to, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you like the podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a comment or rating on Apple Podcasts or Google Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Ratings and comments really help people find Stageworthy. My guest, Luke Reese, is a storyteller, community builder, and artist educator. Luke is the apprentice general manager and resident artist educator at Young People's Theatre, co-creator of Dark Knight's captain of the 2017 Toronto Poetry Slam team, and was the associate general manager of Obsidian Theatre Company. Luke is also the artistic director of Little Black Afro Theatre. Little Black Afro is currently seeking proposals for its emerging artist program for 2017. You can find details at littleblackafro.com. Theater? I'm doing a Metcalf internship. Okay. I'm doing uh, it in, in general management. So I'm working there uh, with Nick Tracy, their associate general manager, mm-hmm. and Nancy Webster, their executive director. Okay. And what is is an arts administration something you're interested in, or is it uh, like a means to an end? For you? No, I think it's like it's definitely something I'm interested in. It's I'm slowly discovering more and more how much I like it, and mm-hmm. but also what parts I like okay. and what parts I don't like. I think it started in administration because I was like, I just started producing my own work. Yeah. And then I just had to know how this stuff was going to happen. That, and, that, that's what happens. Right? Yeah. It's like, well, I guess I have to do this, so I need to learn how to, to do contracts and how to manage a, a budget and make sure we, we you know, are aware of our spending and everything. And, you know... So it started as that, and then it led to some jobs. It led to some interesting relationships with some other artists, and I was like, you know what, I like this, and I like being the the like on the producer producing end. I like being the person who's out talking to people <clears throat> and who's like making those connections and yeah. bringing people together. I love that. Um, well, I, what part, like when you're when you're talking about like yeah. bringing people together like that, is that just like you're bringing like you're bringing. Uh, Sponsors in you bring like what people are you bringing together? Whatever kind of people I need. When it, it's, I mean, it started with just finding people who wanted to create with me, right? Finding a team of people who I liked, who I respected, and who mm-hmm. respected me and, and my work, and then everything from from that to people just coming up to me and being like, you know, people in the community, like this is this is <laughs> this is what I want to do. Yeah. Do you have any people in mind that could do that? Right. And then I'm like, yeah, here are all these people. Nice. Um, so I like to meet people so that way I have people to offer to these other people. <laughs> um, but then also bringing, bringing in sponsors and, and like talking to people about the work that yeah. I do and what the other people do and, and getting uh, the conversations going and getting people excited, getting audiences excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a joke now at YPT where I've realized that I say a lot that I am excited or, or like that's exciting in response to different things. Yeah. So now Nick will, <laughs> will be like, Oh really? Is that exciting? Is that, it must be so exciting. <laughs> so now I try to say it more. Of course. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think I'm a bit of a hype man for, for some shows, for some work and for some people in, in that sense. You mentioned that you sort of like, you started down this road because you started self-producing. Yeah. Um, everybody ha- like self-producing that when I was in theater school, they never talked about self-producing. Yeah, like, and no, I, don't I think do it. They still don't do it. I still, still that a lot of theater schools don't talk about self-producing very much, or they might touch on it, but they never like prepare you. Yeah. There's like a couple, I mean, I went to York and there was a course at York I took called, uh, I think it was just called theater management. Fuck. That's like, Gold. No, it was great. It was, it's a third-year course, and it's not mandatory. You can either take theater management, in, in which is a third-year course, or career management, which was the, a fourth-year course, I believe. Mm. And, and it was 
it was described to us that, like, oh, career management is the one for actors, and theater management is the one for people who want to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took theater management, and I did it the summer after doing, uh, or sorry, the year after doing the Summer Works program Slip, mm-hmm. that now is, is exists in different ways and is more of a, of a platform than the program it was uh, in 2013, I think it was the year I did it, where... I got a little taste of producing, and, and it was meant for emerging producers at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think I was the youngest in that year, and we, I got to meet so many artists in the community. Mm-hmm. And every day we did a different uh, little seminar. We had fundraising, how to deal with the media, touring, what it means to be an mm-hmm. artistic director, uh, grants, budgeting, everything. Uh, just a little bit of a taste, and I was like, okay, this is this is it. Like I'm yeah. getting my my feet wet. And then the next year I took theater management, and I felt like. I had almost already done that course <laughs> when the span of two weeks at, at SummerWorks and then went and, and nailed that class. But mm-hmm. I, but even still, we just like having the opportunity to practice those skills in an environment where, you know, it's, it's fake money. Mm-hmm. So there's like, there's no real risk involved in that yes. class, yeah. which was nice. And, and the whole thing, at the, at the end of the class, you have to submit like a, an OAC grant right. at the end of it. And like, you need to, so you need to have like your company and your... Your slogan, or your not your mandate slogan, and then your uh, what your plan was for the season as well, and da 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 da. And I was working with a little black Afro theater um, as my company, which mm-hmm. is a collective that I had been working with at that point for. I think we've been around for just over, just two years, mm-hmm. maybe not even year and a half, and eventually used this same or similar grant application for that project for the OAC and mm-hmm. got that grant um, <laughs> my first uh, summer out of school. How do you, I'm curious, and maybe you don't know, like how do you grade somebody's right? OAC <laughs> without <laughs> being the OAC panel? Like how do you even grade How that? do you do that? And it, it, we even had to like print everything and it was like, because that was before, like, now it's OAC, oh, now it's, all, it's now Nova. It's, thank goodness. Because I, yeah, I had to print so many copies, yeah. and like, I love, I love the, o- I love the OAC very much, and they funded us, and yeah. it was fantastic. But no, that assignment too. I was like, how are you gonna? How do you guess, grade that? That's like my question. Like, do you right? I got an, fake I got an A, so I guess fake. that means I got the grant, and then in real life, I got the grant. Well, so good. I was like, that's a, that's yeah, pretty good. Works out well, right? So the, the grading good. scheme, I guess, wasn't far off from who was yeah. on the jury that year. <laughs> yeah. In, in terms of uh, the like. You said you're starting to self-produce. Mm-hmm. Um, was there something? Was there a particular reason why you wanted to self-produce, or was it just like that's the path that you wanted to go on? Or it was so it was my uh, the summer after first year. So I just did a year of the university, mm-hmm. and I was like all pumped, and I met all these cool people, and I learned so much, and I just like realized that I could do better work than what I was doing. But in high school, I was like, whoa! I thought, and I was in high school. I thought I was I hit my peak. I thought that was it. I can't get any better than grade twelve Cedars Festival. Yeah. Um, and then after first New York, I was like, no, I, I learned some things yeah. and I wanted to try it out. I wanted to rewrite an old piece. I wanted to mm. do more work and I didn't see any options for me. I think that was the problem is I got out of first year and I was like, okay, hey, but like, I don't want to wait until September to come back to school and do things. Like I want to do things now. Yeah. And then a friend of mine saw that in me, one of my, one of my best friends who's not involved in theater at all. And he went to a different high school and he's very much like a tech kind of businessy guy so he came up to me and he's like hey like what if we just started what if we just self-produce like I'll make your I'll make the website I'll do all the designs we'll do like a business plan and we'll just do something this summer and my first thought was like you're an idiot Ryan like I don't (laughs) like I'm working two jobs coaching a soccer team what am I gonna do this and then, uh, and then I was like, no, yeah, that could be cool and he, and he came up with the name Little Black Afro too mm-hmm. he, the idea was that because we were in Mississauga and we were going to produce it in Mississauga and he was like, some people might rec- recognize you or like know your work from like Meadowvale and, and we were mm-hmm. trying to use it to, to bring in people who might recognize my hair which is what which is <laughs> the, and then it just stuck and now it's just yeah. a, a fun thing um, so I guess it started from like this, I wanted to do it and mm-hmm. I didn't know where and, yeah. and I think a lot of companies out there offer programs for you once you're out of school because mm-hmm. like while you're in school like yeah like school will deal with you and then when you get out of school and like maybe you've learned some things or you've had some experiences then 
I think some of the theater companies want to take you on. And I know that there are programs out there for people in high school and still in school, but I just didn't know. I I wasn't told that in the first year. Nobody came in and outlined that for me, which... You know, would have been when nice. I was in theater school. Yeah. They didn't want us working mm-hmm. in between, like first and second year. They were like, <clears throat> they would have really discouraged that. I think. Yeah, during like I think they just didn't want us picking up anything outside of. Did you do a conservatory? I did. See, yeah, because the conservatory at York had the same rule. It was like mm-hmm. you don't do anything. Yeah. Because you're ours. Yeah. But I did I did playwriting and devised theater. Okay. And I guess they were like... Oh, they're a little more... They're like, yeah. do whatever. Um, <laughs> but not like, I, not like... I don't know if I would have listened. If they, if they said well, to you, not you, do you, it. You some people in, in our class who they, they didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And they sort of... They got like, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. We're just going to turn this way. You know? <laughs> so they were able to do it. But I think they, you know, they weren't... They definitely weren't happy about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a benefit to really closing yourself off and focusing on one thing, because you get so good at that one thing, but then yeah. you just come out of it and you have that one thing. Mm-hmm. And then you, you're met with other things, and you're like, oh. Like, if you, like if you know, in rock, paper, scissors, if you only knew rock, every time you encountered paper in the real world, you'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah. I don't yeah. know scissors, because yeah. they only taught me rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> really good analogy. Um. When you like what you you formed this company in yeah. Black Afro, what was what what was the show that you did you even have a show that you wanted to do at the time? I I did. There was there was the the show that I did in, in grade twelve Sears Festival, and I was like, this is my baby, and it was like the first real play that I wrote, and I wanted to go back oh, and and use bless you and use uh, what I learned and and rewrite it and be like, mm-hmm. well now well now what? And I think it could be better. Yeah. Um, and my friend also knew that he'd come and he'd seen the show so he suggested like well why don't we go back to this why don't you do that again and then that was another way that he won me over because I was like okay yeah I do want to rewrite that I do I do I do <laughs> and then you know I just got into the playwriting program at York so I'm like I am a playwright so I can do this of course yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then he was like but that play is kind of sad so I also want you to write a funny play and then I was like okay and then wrote this terrible it wasn't terrible it was hilarious but there was no point to it Mm-hmm. Um, like little comedy of each of these plays was like twenty five minutes long right. tops, and they did like a double bill. Um, these two guys who worked in a mail room, um, and they were they have this like routine. They're like best friends. How they sort the mail is kind of like some slapstick stuff. And then they get this pack, this sack, and this, there's a human being that someone is kidnapped and is trying to mail. But they have a rule that they can't open the mail, so they're like they're having this mor- this moral dilemma where they're like, "Do we open it or not?" And then the guy's like, "I heard the sack grunt," and the other one's like, "Sacks don't grunt, dude." And the play was called "Sacks Don't Grunt," and uh, but it was fun, so that's where it came out of. It was, and then the next time we produced two, it was two plays that I had just I had written, mm-hmm. and and then after that, I was kind of like, I don't know, we did a, a like a devised collective piece because I was doing device theater at that point in second year. And then there was just something about producing my own work mm. that just got annoying for me. <laughs> and it felt weird. At, like what, when I had done the Summer Works program, when I, when I had taken the class in theater management, I was like, I know these things now. And, and I also realized that I needed to give my own work more time and, I, and maybe it wasn't ready to just throw up some mm. work. Uh, and then with the, with the people that I had around me at the company at the time as well, um, we decided it was best to just produce other people's work or like use what we have in our resources and, and our experience thus far, which still like we, we acknowledge the fact that we're emerging and we don't yeah. know everything, but we know a little bit and together maybe we could do something cool. Um, so then we started, you know, having calls for submission and mm-hmm. developing some pieces and just investing in, in artists and ideas that, cool. uh, that we liked. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, so one of the things that I, I often like to like to find out about is why people choose to go into the theater. Yeah. So for you, what was it that that, that sort of drew you in to the theater? When did it start for you? Um, it did, it started like I think it started early on, but I didn't acknowledge it until I was in high school. Like I always liked the spotlight. I liked to perform when I was a kid. My sister and I would do magic shows at like family gatherings. We would have like a dance thing, and I would have like a little solo dance part when I was like six years old at like 
family Christmas. Like, I liked performing, and I, and I didn't really know at the time. I was just like, this is cool. And I also liked writing. I liked writing stories. Mm-hmm. In grade one, we had to write, like, a paragraph for this this little telling bee book thing they were putting together. And then I wrote, like, a two-page thing, but they cut it down to the first paragraph and put it in, and I was pissed because it didn't make sense with the title that they had. Of course it didn't make sense, Because the story was called uh, Blackie Came Back. But in the intro paragraph... Blackie was a squirrel. In the intro paragraph, it just outlines who the squirrels were. Like, it just, you know, establishes the characters. Where Grade 1 Luke was like, these people need to know all the squirrels first before they know that he leaves and comes back. But they didn't get to that part, so then it just didn't make sense to the title, and I was pissed. Oh, Anyways. Justifiably. 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 Grade one pissed. And then <laughs> I was in a musical in grade eight, and then I was just like, this is just fun. This is fun for me. And I went to, I didn't go to an arts high school, because I loved math, and I loved science, and I was getting high 90s in both, and that was exciting for me, and it was like pleasing people, and I think what I actually liked was the fact that people were like, oh, you got 98 in math? Mm-hmm. More than actually being proud of myself for getting like a 98 in grade 9 math, whatever, whatever that means to me yeah. now. Um, but then my drama teacher uh, recognized that I had a lot of energy and that I was interested in it and kept like pulling me in and, and you know, try out for this and be a part of this uh, Terry Fox assembly or this school play or Sears or student rights or like everything where she could fit me in. And then I loved it. And then, But it still wasn't even until that grade 12 Sears show mm-hmm. that I knew that this was what I wanted to do. I still thought, like, this was just a fun thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm still, like, I'm still taking grade 12 physics. I'm still doing all, all this these things and getting ready to apply for, like, psych or engineering or numerous things. Yeah. But then when I, that play I wrote, the first time when it was performed before Sears, the Student Rights Festival, which is a festival that, that is done in the Peel, uh, within the Peel School Board. It's, it's run by that same drama teacher, uh, Wendy Gibbons and Ian Armstrong, who are dear to my heart. And uh, I had the play, and it was it was a play that came from a very uh, emotional moment in my life. Uh, it was inspired by the passing of my grandmother. Uh, and my grandfather's uh, response to that and how he was very loving and, and just positive with her the entire way. So my whole family was, was there to see it that night. My grandfather was there and, uh, you know, my aunt. And then the play happened. And afterwards, like, everyone stood up and, like, applauded. And then, like, my family was in tears. And it was just, like, the fact that I could make that happen. Like, the, And I, I ended up directing it, too, so it was just, like my words and my placement of people on a stage Mm -hmm. could make all those people feel that much emotion. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is freaking awesome. I was like, this is what I want to make people feel things. (laughs) And that was it. And that was it. And then I I just changed my entire path because this was like when you were applying for schools too. This was So I was like looking at schools for other things. This was in November. And then I was like, nope. And then was all of a sudden applying to theater school. What was your path going to be before that moment? Like, what were you thinking that you were going to be doing? I mean, there was... there was, Math was a thing. I loved physics. I still like physics a lot. Um, I didn't I didn't take the, the final math course you have to take in grade 12 to go into engineering. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like, in my mind, I, could, like, I, I knew that I was going to go in a different direction. So, like, there were certain programs that I thought in grade 11 I wanted that I ruled out by my choice of courses in grade right. 12 but so then I was like no I'll do I'll do psychology and maybe I'll do biology and then like I'll work my way back into to like some hardcore math and science um but it was like no I like I liked like theater I liked being in a room with people making discoveries like going diving into some text and it was just like there's also a, a sense of community and, and family that I got from that specific show because we worked on it pretty much all year in grade 12 yeah. from the student rights festival in the fall through to the Sears in the winter into the early spring and it was just it was a great experience and I wanted to keep doing that yeah. <laughs> when now I know a number of people I've spoken to a number of people who've gone from like the academic where they were like on an academic path and then all of a sudden they made that change and they were going to they decided they were going to go into theater mm-hmm. and their families kind of had a a moment of like, or some of them are still going through that moment. Of, <laughs> of, like forever in that yeah, moment. Like, 
what what happened? You were going to be a scientist or a doctor right. or a professor. Yeah. Did you find that, or did, or was your family like, we see what you did there, and you should pursue this? I think like it, it it like different family members clicked at different at different times, and I mean even the fact that I went to Meadowvale, which was just the high school that was across the street from where I lived. It wasn't an art school, it wasn't a science school. Like, I could have gone to Woodlands, which was, like, the gifted school in Mississauga. Right. And a lot of my family was just, like, they took so much pride in the fact that I could do that, that that was yeah, a yeah, choice, yeah. you know? And they are like, you know, like, Woodlands, Woodlands, you go to Woodlands, like, da 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 But I was like, but I just want to, like, all my friends are going to Meadowvale. Mm-hmm. It's right yeah. there. I'm, like, I think I'm still going to be smart at Meadowvale. I'm not going to just turn it, like, you know, it's yeah, nothing... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I chose Metavale, and some of my family were there like, okay, all right, yeah, sure, okay. And then like, I kept getting high, good grades, and they're like, yeah, awesome, this is fantastic. And then, you know, gradually I'm just doing all these shows, and all of a sudden they're getting invites to all these plays, and they're coming out, and they're seeing it, and they're like, that's fun, that's nice. <laughs> and then definitely when I made the choice, you know, there were a lot of conversations I had, and, like, they weren't so, like, this is wrong. They were just trying to understand it. Yeah. Because they also saw how much I, w- I was I was uh, succeeding and and I, how much I liked math and, and they were like but what mm. ha- huh yeah and I was like but this I was this is what I want to do <laughs> and that that final piece in grade twelve that was really connected to the family I think that that helped a lot of them get it and then in university uh, you know as I would every now and then get some kind of like award for work or some kind of milestone and they would all come out and they would support and they would see at the at the receptions like these people around they're like oh okay this is actually this is becoming a thing yeah um i think it like there was a moment where i have won uh, a playwriting award through the arts and letters club of toronto uh, along with uh, the PGC at the Tom Hendry Awards, mm-hmm. and I and my mom came to that, and a lot of other uh, people, maybe my family came as well. They're always really supportive too; like they've never just not come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but there's one like with my mom there, and like she was just like seeing all these people and like the building we were in, and I think that that was just like. It's like okay, now she gets it. Was, no. Did that happen at the Arts and Letters Club? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it was the reception. Fun, it's, that is a fucking impressive building. It's an impressive building. I think the building helped. I think the building definitely helped. Um, and then, and I think because I saw, like, my mom kind of understand it, then I also took a breath mm-hmm. <laughs> in that moment, yeah. and I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> were there different schools that you were looking at when you like were you considering different schools and was it did you make the choice of York or did York choose you? Um, I think it was a, a bit of both. I was gonna apply. I went to no, I went to the Ryerson Open House before, mm-hmm. like, and I just did not like the vibe at all for their theater program. And I was like, I was turned off entirely by yeah. Ryerson. I was like, no, not even gonna apply. Yeah. Um. So I I applied to like Guelph and McMaster, like some of the ones that just have. Not too much of a, a hands-on kind of, you're going to be in a studio program, but a lot of, like, uh, theory-based mm-hmm. theater uh, courses and programs. And then I applied to Windsor, and then my Windsor audition was going to happen, like, a couple weeks after my York audition. Went to the York audition, and for the York audition, they, like, take you around the school, and you get to hang out with some of the mm-hmm. students in, that are in their first year. And I just fell in love with the people mm-hmm. and with the vibe and with yeah. the fact that in first year I got to do everything. Because like, I definitely came into it like, I want to be an actor, but like right. also I want to be a playwright and also whatever else I could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And York was like, you can do all of that in first year and then you get to decide. And I was mm-hmm. like, sweet. So I, I auditioned with a story about my experience doing my show in, in grade 12. So I didn't do a monologue. I didn't present a design thing like you could have done. I just told them about how I, why I wanted to get into theater, mm-hmm. and then they like called like not too long after like you're in. Didn't even go to my Windsor audition. I called at Windsor's like sorry like I'm not gonna go get the yeah. spot somewhere else whatever. Um, and then I went to York and I and I think that was the right school for me. I definitely think it was the right school for me. There's something about knowing that like feeling that you're in the right place. Yeah. That really like is. The right, like, it makes you feel like you're, uh, well, in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> like, instead of, like, you know, you're in, like, you knew from the moment you saw it that it was, like, for you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just, like, end up going, 
you know, who, who, who'll take me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which works, but to know, to go in knowing that you're in the right place, that you chose that. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like a great way to start out. Yeah, I was definitely, I definitely got off on the right foot. I was, I was excited. I was happy. I was like, this is it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be awesome, which is how I approach a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you're excited. Because I'm excited. Because everything's so exciting. I was so excited to go to York. I was, <laughs> I was excited, but I was also excited to graduate. I was so excited to leave York. As much as I loved the school for me, getting out of there was awesome. <laughs> what was it like? Were you. Was it like, did it, by the end, was it like taking too long? Was it, were you Well, like in, like in fourth year, I didn't take any theater classes. Okay. I ended up getting a minor in creative writing alongside my theater major. Mm -hmm. So my fourth year was a lot of English classes and finishing my gen eds Mm because I was doing so much theater work outside of school at that point. I was like, I don't need to pay York $1,100 to use their studio and get taught by one person and then do put, do one show at the end of the year right. that 70 people who I already know are going to see. Yeah. When I can use that money and self-produce and, you know, make some connections and find mentors in yeah. the community. Like, there... It's just, there was a point, like, I think in third year where I realized that, like, I didn't need York for theater anymore. <laughs> can I just say that a lot of people that I know of when they're leaving theater school, they're not thinking about finding mentors. Mm. That's not a thing that people that a lot of people consider. Where did that impulse come from for you that you knew you needed to find some mentors? Um, York would would bring in speakers when we were in first year, and uh, Philip Aiken came in in first year, mm-hmm. and he did this this big talk, and he was like, you know, like I'll, if you want it sit down and have a coffee with me and just send me an email and, and none and he's like I'm telling you that none of you will do this and I went and little first year Luke went up to Philip Bacon after and I don't know if he remembers this but I was like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna do that he's like okay do it and I was like alright and I went and I put it in my my calendar app what, I don't forget what I was using at the time but I remember it crashed because I lost everything and I was so upset which is why I didn't email Philip Bacon <laughs> and then I didn't see him until until I was at the Summerworks doing Slip, and then they kept bringing in all these people, and they give you a mentor for that, too. Mm-hmm. So my mentor uh, was Guillermo Verdecchia. So I was, like, hanging out with Guillermo over the summer, and then meeting all these other people, and Philip came in, and he was like, you have a good website, Little Black Afro. And I was, like, starstruck. And I was like, oh. yeah, yeah, And then yeah. I finally messaged Philip, and I was like, hey. And then <clears throat> I, like, I emailed, like, almost every single one of these people that came, and I was like, thanks, coming in this is something that I liked about what we talked about da, 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 da. and then a lot of them I was like let's keep in touch or let's sit down for coffee mm-hmm. and then I think that's when I realized that that was an option mm-hmm. because everyone I asked to, to sit down with was like yeah and I was like wait what it's actually yeah. it's okay and then like you know I just made a lot of friends with people who were artists in the community and then they just became mentors mm-hmm. So, I don't know if I was, like, if I knew that I was looking for a mentor off the top, but I was just looking for people to hear me, people that I could learn from, and I guess that's, that's what a mentor is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I had and had a lot, of, a lot of good mentors. Um, just in school, my drama teacher was a great mentor to me, and, and I'd always lucked out with just having fantastic teachers all the way through elementary school, mm-hmm. and even, like... At, at work, I worked in retail at uh, Air Postal for, like, nearly six years. Uh, and my, like, manager there, I consider a mentor. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I, I open myself up to those kinds of relationships, and I think I, I find them in, in those ways. Yeah. It's, it's funny because you, you talk about how, you know, you, could just, you just email these people and say, hey, can we meet? And they all say yes. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't think about even as an option yeah <laughs> you were not thinking about it you did it and they were like yeah sure <clears throat> i found just doing this podcast that you ask people to talk to you and they yeah they're like okay yes. yeah so it's, <laughs> it's like it's one of those things you don't think about but it's there yeah um is there anything in particular that you you learned if you can like sum up things that you learned from the the people that you yeah became your mentor yeah you definitely like you don't need to know you don't always need to know exactly what you want to get out of the conversation, 
but you need to have a pretty good idea. <laughs> um, even if it's just like, hey, like, I want you to know me as an artist, and I want to know you and learn more about your work. That's okay. You can meet... But there was... Um, and it's funny, because now I'm at YPT, but I met with Alan McKinnis, because he came in and talked to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember... And I, I have to talk to you about this, too. But... Because <laughs> I wonder if he remembers this, because he probably meets with a lot of people as well. <laughs> but, like... I remember going and sitting down with him, and and he was like, like so, like, what do you want to talk about? Or like, what do you, yeah, like, yeah. like what are you wondering about with YPT? And I like, I <laughs> I knew things about young people's theater, but I did not know a lot. I did not know as, enough as as much as I should have going into that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I and I felt like an idiot there. I was like, I don't really know. <laughs> and then he ended up, he gave me, you know, an idea of some of the different things that YPT does and how I could get involved with YPT and, like, volunteering and this and that. And and it's also such a big company. Like, there's so many ways to get involved yeah. that I was sitting there and I was like, I... And it was like a, like a very brief kind of a conversation and then at the end of it he's like, well, we, you know, we can chat again when you have a better idea of... of <laughs> what you're looking for or what you yeah. you know because I get <laughs> I felt like an idiot I went home and I was still in Mississauga so I like I took like the like go train home and I did the whole time and I'm like why didn't I just do some more research or just like yeah. google something well, it's like you like, didn't know what you didn't know right you didn't I didn't know, know what I didn't like, know yeah. I didn't know that uh, I mean I'm there now so I guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and now I know have you, have you like seen ever seen shows at YPT or was like I hadn't even seen a show at YPT so that's one of the things that he said he was like well you should see a show Uh so if you want to come to one of our like your our teacher like previews Mm -hmm. you send me an email I'll get you tickets and I did that I went and I started seeing their shows and that's that's so important (laughs) is seeing the shows I guess soon as I met with Philip like Every single Obsidian show after that, I, I was at. I made yes. sure it was right. like I'm seeing their work. I'm seeing their work all of the time. Um, yeah, and then whenever I go to YPT, it was just like that was just so important because the people are there. Yeah. You know, you say hi, what's up, how's it going. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to, you know, have a full on conversation with them about their show on opening night. It's probably not the best idea. Yeah. But if they know you're there, and they're like, oh yeah, that's nice of Luke to you know come and see our work and yeah. da 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 and. And then, because people can't offer you work if they don't know you exist. Right. It's true. If they don't know that you're an option. Yeah. So, I think a lot of the opportunities I've I've gotten now is just because I've, I present myself as an option. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I have, I personally, I have a soft spot for YPT because years ago, mm. when I was like, oh, how old was I? I might have been like 16. Um. They, I don't know if they still do their summer school. Yep. July yeah. Their yeah. summer drama camp. I did that. <laughs> I did that. I was like, I, did, I think it was the July one year when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was like completely formative. It was like, there are some people that I met there that I still know. And oh, yeah. I still remember the crappy little show that we made and stuff like that. But like, it was really formative. Mm-hmm. So it's like. I wish I did YBT. Because when I was a kid, I played soccer. Mm. I did soccer. I played, like, in school, I played uh, football, I played volleyball, I did track for... I did a lot of sports before I actually got into theater. Yeah. So, I don't think my parents knew. Like, I think if, if they knew that now I was going to become this yeah. this theater person, then they would have signed me up for something like that. But yeah. I was just like, I like sports and math. And they were like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad, because that, that program is, like... Just this great. Oh, it's fantastic! It's and I and you know even like now I'm seeing like I'm meeting people and they're like yeah like oh we worked for them too I went to camp there I didn't I feel left out I feel left out. You had sports and stuff. A lot of actors are like I had sports. And I still I still play sports. I play soccer twice a week still. Nice. It's like it's a bit so important that I had that I get to kick a ball really hard <laughs> at least twice a week <laughs> you are still working with obsidian as well right I'm so you're on the website so I'm not sure if you actually are or... <laughs> I'm on the website because I haven't taken myself off the okay website. okay well so what happened um I got in a, a Metcalf uh, internship I applied with obsidian mm-hmm. so I did their apprenticeship program uh, last year around mm-hmm. the same time actually 
And I did that in uh, producing specifically. And I was working uh, with Tanya Senewarotny there. And uh, and then I switched. I did a double apprenticeship, so I switched. And I actually was at YPT mm-hmm. in their education department, um, working with the drama school, doing an apprenticeship there. Mm-hmm. And then I really liked the relationship that was happening with Obsidian, and I felt like there was still more for me to learn there in terms of like more general management versus producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked to Philip and Tanya. We put together a Metcalf uh, application for their, their program there. We got it. And it, the plan was that I was just going to be at Obsidian for the full year. Um, life happens. Tanya got a wonderful position at Soul Pepper. Congratulations, Tanya. She's yeah. killing over there. Um, and then we kind of had to, to reconfigure what my, <laughs> my internship was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was then working kind of under Philip at the time, but then he is right now in Shaw. He's in Niagara on the Lake directing. Right. So when... When Philip was slated to go, like we worked really hard with Metcalf. Metcalf did a really good job about it. Michael Trent there and making sure that I would still have a place, mm-hmm. uh, and that you know, because you you plan for the the funding that you're getting for this amount of time, and and because I had that relationship with YPT, but I was in the YPT as in the education department and getting a chance to work with Nancy Webster, I thought was was going to be great, and and Philip highly recommended her as well. So we split it, and when Philip took off to Shaw, I'm now a YPT finishing okay. that same uh, Metcalf internship. But I still have a strong relationship with Obsidian. Um, I think that there is like there is a future uh, with Obsidian, I believe. But um, I got to do one thing at a time. So, that's, but I'm still on the website, <laughs> which is why I was asking you about it. But. Um, when you, I don't know how long you spent doing what you were doing at, at, at Obsidian, but are there different things that you're learning that are the like differences between the YPT experience and the Obsidian oh, it's, experience? It's so different, and I'm like, it's the perfect like pairing for me mm-hmm. because the kind of work that, okay, the quality of the work is all like the two companies that do just like high quality work, yeah. and I love it, and I so lucky to be to have worked with both of them mm-hmm. but like but completely different audiences mm-hmm. um the size the scale i mean you're going from a non-venued company to a with that's been around for uh going on 17 years to a, a venued company that's been going around for nearly 52 years yeah. a staff of 40 versus a staff of sometimes four yeah. <laughs> um it's just like there are different like there, uh, there are different things I have to do, and there's mm-hmm. different responsibilities. And sometimes, like with YPT, it's, it's like navigating all of these different departments and kind of having my feet in all these different places, but overseeing everything. Mm-hmm. And then with Obsidian, it was like kind of like just doing everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a way that makes sense for your for your company, and you know, it really like Obsidian is a lot of like going to bat for Obsidian, going to bat for these artists. Mm-hmm. And, and really like ha- like making sure that um, your voices are heard when you're competing with some of these larger companies. And then YPT is providing spaces for younger artists, mm-hmm. for, for children and everybody to explore. And like really that building is so vibrant and full of, of life and mm-hmm. art all of the time. Uh, like it's... I couldn't have I couldn't have just like imagined a better pairing yeah. of places. It's mm. it's great. It's it's like you've got YPT, which is like so important for like not just introducing theater to a young audience, mm-hmm. but for like introducing theater to the future yeah. of theater, mm-hmm. right? Like people who are gonna like do stuff. <laughs> for theater. Um, and but then you and I didn't actually realize that Obsidian had like only seventeen years. For some reason, I thought that Obsidian had been around longer. Cause right. I've been, hearing, <laughs> I've been hearing the name for so long. Oh yeah. I just sort of like assumed that, that they've been like, that they've been there forever. But no, like no companies like that. Most companies are not that old right now. Right. Yeah. No. It's it's they're uh, they've been doing a good job at, at just like being out in the community and mm-hmm. I mean like Obsidian does good work and yeah. that's what you know people know Obsidian because they're like no I saw, I saw that when they finally see an Obsidian show they're like oh mm-hmm. my gosh this is great why haven't I been seeing more shows but, you know I, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up the thing that I think keeps some people who normally go to theater mm-hmm. away and that's because they're white and Obsidian oh, yeah. produces, oh, 100%. produces theater 
that is centered around the, the African diaspora. But most of our audience is white. Oh, it's a show for it's no. like not a show for me. But that's like one of those things that, that people who don't know don't know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what, like, like especially when we do Master Herald at Toronto Center for the Arts mm. up up in in North York, uh, mostly white majority, hundred percent. You you're still seeing more black people than you are at other shows in yeah, the yeah, city, yeah. like definitely more black people, but still mostly white. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that ancient, there's that question about you know. Um, bringing more people into the theater who don't normally come into the theater mm-hmm. and you know not that like like price of ticket is an issue for a lot of people yeah mm-hmm. um like i maybe go to see one mervis show every two years right that, that takes scratch and um you know so it's like big theater requires a lot more money mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i know that that um there's a lot of people talking about. I've heard people complaining about how, you know, Hamilton in the U.S. Those that theater, which is you know that show is made yeah. up of such diverse uh, uh, people that the audience is like mostly <laughs> white people, mm-hmm. um, except maybe on the educational like Wednesday at matinee. Right. But like, how do we get more people into the theater who often think? That theater is for rich people. Yeah, and it's hard because it, it, it takes money to yeah. make it work. You know, theater theater's not cheap. And even with Obsidian, there's that line where it's like, you know, we could be pricing our shows higher because it's because of the quality of the mm. work. You know, like people can go. People saw Master Harold and the Boys for twenty dollars sometimes. Yeah, it's a, it was a beautiful show. Yeah. Twenty dollars is a steal. I don't yeah. care if this is the ninety minute show. It's a great show. Mm. Um. But there, are, but but there are people that want to come to your shows that are like, well, I can't afford it. And I think it's like mm-hmm. there needs to be uh, those uh, corporations, those organizations, those people with money who can pay for other people in the community to to see that. And yeah. some theaters are come are calling it outreach. Right, you're applying for grants so you yeah. can have subsidized tickets. Yeah. Um, and I and you see it happening every now and then, but it's just. It's tough. Yeah. It's because tough. Because it's that balance between, like, I have to be able to afford to put on the show. Yeah. But I also want the widest possible audience mm-hmm. to come and see the show. Mm-hmm. Which is, and that's, that's tough to balance. Yeah. And then, you know, when you, if you, you're like, well, maybe I'll just, like, I'll add an extra show, like an extra Wednesday matinee, but then you add more shows, and then you're upping yourself in the category, and then there's yes. equity, and, yes. you know, so there's also all these things that Lots we have to navigate and consider if you want to... <sighs> You want to make those steps. When you're talking about going to bat for Obsidian and going to bat for those people, in yeah. what way are you going to bat? Like, how is that? What does that look like? Uh, it just looks like. I think it's goes for all non-venue companies. When you go to a venue and you're renting and it's your show, mm-hmm. you want to make sure people go to that venue and still know that it's your show. Right. That you guys put in all the work. So sometimes it comes down to how you're dealing with the lobby space. Right? What what kind of promotional materials are they letting you put in the space? Right? Because mm-hmm. they're you know when you want to represent your sponsor because your sponsor gives you so much money and they really help make that work what it is and you want like yeah I want to put your logo up on the on a poster there but then there's other companies like mm, we actually have this other bank but it, yes, <laughs> right yeah, especially yeah. when you go to that's got to be a tough negotiation mm-hmm. and yeah. it just comes down to like listen like like you know like. We we put in all this work. Mm-hmm. We are renting right now. We are bringing in new audiences to your theater. Let us put up this plaque. <laughs> I find it kind of shocking that that's even like that that's even a, a conversation. It's, they're, yeah. they're like, no, no, no. See, I know you're renting, but this company gave us money, so your rental so you, doesn't trump. Doesn't this trump company. this? Like it's. It, it's a strange thing to. to mm-hmm. And like, and each, and you know, there's just like. Every every venue, the ones I've experienced, like they have their own guidelines, their own rules, and they and they all vary. But it just feels like everyone's kind of holding on to this like precious thing that's theirs, and it's like, but we're all just doing theater together. What you is know, the precious thing? Is that their space or their sponsor, or is it like, or is it? Their I think audience? it's just, I think it's it's their audience, their identity. Uh, I think mm. it's the fear of being seen somehow in a way that that they don't want to be seen. Like, mm. if there happens to be something terrible that goes wrong in our show and 
mm-hmm. somebody blames it on the space and not right. the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in which case I think of you know Obsidian would would own up and be like, okay, yeah, that's our patron who yeah. kind of punch the hole in your wall, this has never happened, but this is just an example. <laughs> um, but there's, it, it all comes from fear. It comes yeah. from like, oh, I don't know, this is, this is different, this is yeah. change. Like, we don't normally let people put up, it's funny, because we have these, like, easels that have these plaques on it that, like, say, like, Obsidian and our, and our main sponsor, TD, and in some places, there's like, oh, like, when I ask, I'm like, oh, they're like, what do you, like, where do you want to, like well, whatever. Like, but, like, but it's just, sometimes they don't even get asked the question because yeah. a lot of smaller companies who will rent? Like a lot of indie companies don't have that. No, so in Obsidian, sure. a company that has been around for nearly seventeen years, that has a lot of weight, although we don't have our own venue comes in, and like we got this, 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 and this, mm-hmm. they have to go up. Yeah, they're not used to it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And then they have to they have to make exceptions for us, and yeah. then we have to. And that's when I'm on the phone going to bat for Obsidian. Do they have stuff in their contract about oh, yeah. that stuff? Oh yeah, like, it, it comes up they, in contract negotiation, yeah. and then it comes up, you know, and then. I'll we'll bring it up and then it'll get tossed around mm-hmm. and then you know it depends on the company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is in terms of what you where you want your your trajectory in the theater to go? Now? Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing, you know, you studied uh, playwriting and acting and you did the devised course and now you're doing some theater general management and things like that. Mm-hmm. What do you want your theater? It's a great trajectory question. <laughs> Uh, going in, going into 2017, I was like, this year is going to be Luke's year of writing and writing, and then I'll have like two main administrative gigs, and then I'm just going to write. Was my plan? Um, and I knew those gigs. There was going to be the Metcalf internship. Mm-hmm. There was going to be Little Black Afro. Yeah. And then I wanted to write. Uh, and then I was like, wait, I'm also doing this great thing called Dark Nights that mm-hmm. I that I do with uh, the Gladstone with Wayne with Wayne Burns and, and Andy McKay and, and Joss McNeil, uh, and that's just growing and growing and growing. I'm like, yeah, okay, so then I'll have I'll have this internship, and then I'll have Little Black Afro, mm-hmm. and then I'll have Dark Nights, and then I'll write, and then. <laughs> I am now on the Toronto Poetry Slam team, (laughs) which happened in the winter, and so then we practice, and we are going to go compete in the States in in August, so I was like, okay, so then I have this internship, and I have Little Black Afro, and I have Dark Nights, and I have the Poetry Slam team, and then I'm going to write, and then I'm also going to play soccer twice a week, and then it keeps building up, and then I lose, like, I haven't had enough time to write this year. I think if there's one thing I I haven't been doing enough of this year, it's been writing. Mm -hmm. Um... But like I'm able to pay my bills. I'm still enjoying life. I you know I a lot of things. I find a lot of things excite exciting. So ideally, I find enough time, and I and I find a way to schedule my life where I can do all of these things. Mm-hmm. The amount of time I need to do each of these things a week, right. <laughs> which is, <laughs> but I want to write more. I want to write more it's, than it's I am. Tough mm-hmm. to balance like. Like, I, you know, I have my relationship, my job, and my writing, and, you know, eventually there's going to be a show that comes out of that. So I've got, like, four things to balance. It's hard to balance yeah. that. Whereas you're, like, balancing, like, what, like, eight things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, and then there's also a relationship in my life, too. And it's like, and so it's, it's like, other, yeah. and it's important. It's important. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about Dark Nights. So yeah. So what is that? Um, Dark Nights is a conversation uh, series that started with Wayne Burns out of the Youth Advisory Committee, uh, I guess like a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it, you know, we were in the YAC, and we were always trying to think of these like youth events to mm-hmm. do. And uh, there was what well, actually it was at the Toronto Reference Library where we first had this kind of conversation where we we're like, what, like, what is the thing? Like, what do we want? What do we value? And we mm-hmm. talked about how. We like talking to people who aren't far off from our age, who are being successful, and like sometimes it's hard to look up. Like me looking all the way up to Philip Aiken, like there are so many steps in between me mm-hmm. and Philip Aiken. Mm-hmm. Where are those steps? Why can't I see those steps? Why can't I have a conversation with the steps between me mm-hmm. and Philip Aiken? Also, hang out with Philip Aiken and learn from him too. But I want to know all the other yeah. steps. Um, so then we came with this idea of, of creating a space where we bring in. Uh, artists who are, are under 30 or around 30 who are doing what they love, who are making somewhat of a career out of it or finding a way that they can live their life 
um, pay their bills, do their art, and be someone happy, mm-hmm. and, and also kick butt in what they're doing. And we want to talk to those people yeah. and bring in other people who want to talk to those people and just like have an honest conversation. And, and we can also talk about your fears because we understand that it's not perfect, but that doesn't mean it's not impossible. Yeah. So the first year we did it um, uh, Theater Ontario. We pitched the idea to them since it was from the YC. They gave us some some seed money. We started it at the theater center. We were having the conversations there every other Monday, which was so exhausting. That's a lot. That's <laughs> a lot. Which and 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 that's right. That's why it was called Dark Nights because it was like theaters dark on Monday. So it, okay. you know. Yeah. We should be able to get everybody out, but every other theater-related event happens on, on Mondays. Monday. Of course it does. Like, the Bellows happens on Mondays. Wrecking Ball happens on Mondays. Yeah. All these pop-up conversations about diversity happen on Mondays. Everything happens on Mondays, <laughs> of course so we did it a year of that, and we saw all kinds of artists. You know, Wayne and I both came from a theater background, but we had musicians, we had illustrators, we had fashion designers, we had dancers, we had uh, cinematographers, we had everything come in, and we went out in the community and found these people, saw their work, thought they were cool, brought them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the first year, we were like, okay, that was a lot. Um, <laughs> but we want to keep doing it. So uh, Annie and Joss were two people who kept coming back and expressing interest in Dark Nights, and we're like, we want to help make it better with you. Mm-hmm. So we, we brought them on the team. We all sat down, had a hard look at Dark Nights. We're like, you know, how can we make it better? Okay, not what every other Monday. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a one Wednesday night, once a month. We're going to give us more time to get to know these artists. We're going to put more information out there uh, in social media, on our website, so people can also get to know the artists mm-hmm. and prepare for the conversation. We're going to go to the Gladstone now, so now we have a permanent residency uh, in room 207 at the Gladstone mm-hmm. Hotel, which is great. We changed the time a bit. We just like we just tightened mm-hmm. everything, and already uh, we're seeing a difference in our attendance. Nice. We're seeing a difference in the quality of conversations and the kind of artists we're bringing in this year. Mm-hmm. It's a great lineup. We have... Uh, Haley McGee coming in tomorrow night, and we're we're live streaming Dark Nights now for mm, the first time, great. and so many people in our first year were like, "Have you guys tried live streaming?" Are you, are you <laughs> doing Periscope? Are you doing like Facebook Live? We're gonna do we're gonna, gonna do a Facebook Live. Okay. We're gonna try. I think I think it's gonna be trial and error. Um, first up to bat, Facebook Live, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll probably do a. Pay- we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. We we'll get some feedback from people. You know, we're always open to feedback too. We also don't think that what we're doing is perfect. Um, and then we might give Paris a try. People have also been like, oh, you shouldn't make it a podcast, but we really want people to be there in the room with that, us. I mean, that is, that is, I mean, podcast is great for those people who can't, you know, speaking podcast. Right, on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's great for those people who can't be there, but I totally get, like, what you get out of being in that yeah. room and being able to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, but... On the other side, oh yeah. <laughs> if, you do, if you do like if you release it like a week later or something like that, like not right after, but you also so there's the impetus to be there in the room, but also include all of the questions that people have. So it's not just like this person's talking, then we stop before the call before the questions start coming in. Right. Then somebody who can't be there, like there's somebody in right now in Winnipeg or or Vancouver who mm-hmm. can't be there, but would really get something out of it. And I am all about like more Canadian theater content in the podcast universe would be amazing <laughs> so anything that we can get out there because yeah there is precious little yeah no and so, then and it's it's really it is accessible yeah absolutely and i think in order to as as canada slowly defines what it means to be the canadian theater artist and what our theater looks like having more things out there could definitely yeah. help um, so I think I think there might be a time when we try podcasts and see, I mean, you know, because a year ago we were like, we're never going to stream this live ever, 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 ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now I'm like, well, everyone tune in live tomorrow night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. You never know how things are going to change. No. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, we're still growing, but it's so cool. And it's one of the coolest things that I'm a part of right now. Mm. Uh, and it's another thing that, like, I wish I could give more time to. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned like you know all of these things that as as Canadian theater artists talk about what Canadian theater looks like mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, you also mentioned you know all of the pop up conversations and diversity <laughs> happening on a const, almost constant. What basis. is diversity? Like, this it's I have this thing where I 
get, I know the importance of talking about it. I was mm-hmm. at the, mm, what are they called? Oh, Bad Hats. Bad Hats, they did, they did a Yeah, 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 yeah. They had that, so I was at that. Mm-hmm. And, but then I heard like a couple weeks later, there was a thing at George Brown College, at the theater department there, a conversation in diversity. It's like, every time we turn around, there's a conversation, there's a conversation with diversity. diversity. But we've been having those conversations about diversity for like what, like twenty for so years, long something? since people could talk. <laughs> well, yeah, but everybody can talk. It's just like what we don't seem to do is like enough action mm-hmm. on that. Um, mm-hmm. Do you ever get tired of the conversation, or absolutely like the conversation is important to have and it's good that we're having it? But for fuck's sake, like it, de- I'm definitely getting tired of mm-hmm. the conversation. But like, I'll still show up because I feel like. Like, if I don't show up, then someone else will. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you, you know, there's... Uh, you look at the people who are going to these panels and who are on the panel, and you see that they're tired, and I wonder, like, I'm like, well, why are you on this panel? I'm like, well, because if you don't show up, then someone else will. And they might say the wrong thing, so I'd rather have you on this panel. Yeah. Even though you've been on these panels forever and ever and ever and ever and it's ever, and you're exhausted. I noticed, like, when I was at the, the Bad Hats, it was mm-hmm. an amazing panel. Yeah, well... But a couple of people... We're obviously tired of Nina was exhausted. Nina, Nina was, was exhausted. Nina is exhausted about the conversation, but she's willing to be there. But she's there. Yeah. She's there, and, I, and she's so strong. I, I started tearing up. I started tearing mm. up when, when Nina was speaking about, uh, when they are talking about the funding and how, uh, she, you know, she's not really getting rewarded for the work that's happening. Like, mm-hmm. sure, some of these other companies are getting cut money, mm-hmm. but they still have way more money than what she's getting to work with, and yeah. she's finding a way to do the work. Yeah. And she's there, and she's talking to it. And I was, I teared up, because I was like, yeah. this is, like, this is, this is so sad that, that this is happening, that this, that this is the structure that we're living in that we're fighting, and you can see that she's still fighting. So, like, yeah. thank you, Nina. <laughs> one, of thing, one of the things that kind of struck me about that conversation was, you know, Nina is the only female person of color running a major theater that like a venue theater mm-hmm. in this country and how yeah. do we get like and that's like the, I keep wanting to just say look guys the question that we need like the question is how do we make this happen like why is that unique is yeah. it because the boards are made up of old white men who just want to see old white men in control of their theaters mm-hmm. or and you know it's like one of those things yeah, you know, it's gonna it's gonna take a while. I mean, there was a time when there were none. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm also like I'm a hopeful person. So mm-hmm. I, I think that we are moving. If you know, slowly, but we're moving. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's any it's like any like racial or just gender sexist kind of problem that's out there because it's we started off as an idiot world Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and we are slowly realizing that that there are better ways to live and that there are better ways to treat people and that there are better ways to deal with um differences in the world and it you know it's just it's clicking with people slowly it is it's really slow and one of the things that i think um that is a, a challenge for people is is Talking about way race makes white people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and because it makes them uncomfortable, they prefer not to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Which is, an or issue. it's awkward when they do talk. About it. Well, that's the thing. Is like, so I'm talking about this, and he's a, uh, a, a artist of of, of of like just let's just just say, say it. it, just, just say, say it. it. And if you say it, like the the thing is like if you say the wrong thing, it's okay if the person says I prefer this term mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we go forward yeah but the whole like like white people get uncomfortable and so they don't talk about it so they don't deal with it mm-hmm. and that's a problem mm-hmm. and it's like i'm if if you are speaking honestly then like all to you you mm-hmm. know and and you know you don't have to like everything. I don't yeah. like chocolate. That's just the thing I don't like. Okay? I don't like chocolate. I don't eat it. I don't. You know, <laughs> if a white dude doesn't like black theater artists, mm-hmm. then he doesn't like you maybe he's a little bit more of an asshole than I am for not liking chocolate, but yeah. like <laughs> you know, like but don't try to I don't force myself to eat chocolate. Yeah. Like I don't I don't go like, "Oh, I'm going to get more money if I eat chocolate." So I'm yeah, just going to force no. feed myself chocolate. So don't force feed yourself this work if you it's, actually don't want it's it. It's kind of funny. Well, it's like it's like maybe they don't want it, but chances are they also haven't seen, seen it. it. Right. I try chocolate though. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, and I've mentioned this before, is that theater is like the one art form that I can think of 
where people where you hear oh I, I saw a play once and I didn't like it so I don't, I don't go so to then I don't theater. go see it anymore and maybe there's like some guy up there who's I saw a black theater show once and I didn't like it so <laughs> I don't like black theater yeah it's like but if it's TV, if you see a bad show, you change the channel. You change or something else. right because there's there's so it's, there's less of a risk in like changing the channel than like finding the time in the night and going yeah. out for dinner and getting in the car and going and buying your tickets in advance and yeah. then sitting in the theater and then just, you know it's like there there are so many barriers and you waste so much more of what it appears to be your time and your yeah. money if you go out and see a show you don't like them versus yeah. you turn on things change the channel. You know, I think what a lot of people forget is like when it's good. Oh, it was real it's good. It's so much better. Yeah, than, like the, sitting at home and watching Netflix. Yeah, I whenever I catch myself watching Netflix, I'm like, bad, bad. <laughs> I could be reading a play. Yeah. I could be. Um, I see a play. Yeah. But yeah, it's like whenever and whenever I t- I take someone to see theater who I who doesn't normally see theater, I I pray, I hope that this is a good show. Oh, fuck. Right? Because yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't want to take this person to see a, a terrible show. You want to be the person who took them to see, like, a stinker, right? <sighs> yeah, right? And then they never come back. I want to yeah. know, like, I want to be the one who turns your life around. It's like you want to know, like, <laughs> is this show good before you take somebody to see it? Mm. But, 100%. like, it's risk to yeah. be in that room. And maybe you're there on a bad night. You don't know. You don't know. It's theaters. a big risk, so... Yeah. And then I want to, I want to go back to diversity. I'm going to give, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give Philip Aiken another shout out yeah. because any, and, and he tells us to everybody now, once he had this, he had this, uh, and I think he was having the conversation with Leah Simone Bowen as well, um, about, uh, the different companies and like diversity and, and about like, referring to Obsidian as like a diverse company. And then and he's like, no, it's it's a, it's a culturally specific company mm-hmm. because if it's diverse, then it's like implying that there is like a there, we are different from something that is supposed to be the norm, right. and now we are the other. Yes. But like, really, what we're living in is is a very uh, diverse group of people where there there isn't really a, a, a norm. You can mm-hmm. you can go on the street corner and you can see anything. I can yeah. go, I can walk down Kensington and <coughs> see an alligator. Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's you know like Obsidian is a culturally specific theater company fujen is a culturally specific theater company one might even say that other companies are culturally specific to it i don't want to <laughs> like how many names no, no, like, no, but like that's right and then right. if that's what they're gonna do then that's what they're gonna do <laughs> if, if that's what they're gonna do they need to just like this is what we are because like it makes me feel awkward when i see programming that just doesn't make sense to me yeah and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you don't know, you don't know this artist. You don't, you don't, you you ever said like you didn't go and see their work? Like, yeah. like when I get, I get asked sometimes to be a part of shows, to work with companies. Strictly, I know because I'm black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I know this because a lot of times they'll tell me, and I'm like, at least you're, well, they'll they say this is just, but they're like, we're you know we're looking to be my more diverse and yada 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 i'm like okay at least you're not trying to hide it like yeah, yeah, yeah. um but people who've never like seen me direct write act mm-hmm. produce never don't actually know the caliber of what i can do but i guess talk, some people talk and they refer people as well but they're like oh i want you to do this thing and, and sometimes i feel icky mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, but i don't feel icky if like I know the person. If this is a person who's like come and seen my work, who I have a relationship with, an example of this, um, Autumn Smith approached me to uh, direct this new initiative that Can Stage is doing alongside uh, Shakespeare in High Park. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, yeah. they're commissioning some new works, and uh, I've been asked to direct one of them. And you know, Can Stage is a company. You know, Can Stage so white. Everyone yeah, knows yeah, that yeah. happened. And if anybody else in that organization that I didn't really know approached me and asked me to be a part of it, I would have been like. Oh, this is this is, weird. this is weird. Yeah. Um, but Autumn, like Autumn, has seen my work. Autumn, Autumn knows me as an artist, and and yeah. I feel like there's there's an authenticity in that relationship mm-hmm. that I value. Yeah. Um, and I want to work on this because of Autumn and because of the relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think um, some of these other companies need to put the time into develop those relationships with the artists. Yeah. And 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 then because then when you program the work. Everybody involved feels better about it. Yeah. The creative space is is just there's a better energy to it, mm-hmm. and then the work is better. Yeah, because it's coming yeah. from a a real place. Mm-hmm. It's not coming. You're not forced to do it because you don't have funding anymore. Yeah, 
You know, it's like it's like walking around all day in like re- really tight clothes because they were super cheap, and you're like, awesome! <laughs> I got a great deal yeah. on these clothes. Yeah, I'm gonna put everyone else is wearing these clothes, so I'm gonna wear them around. But don't don't wear them. If they're gonna be uncomfortable, it looks you make the clothes look bad and you look bad. I think that it's important that that if that. You know the the whole can't stage so white thing. I think that kind of stuff is really important to mm-hmm. call out mm-hmm. when a company is like, "We're Canadian stage." Fuck it, like <laughs> show Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and but and and it's important that we do call out companies yeah. that that you know are yeah. And the, yeah, the fact that they're called if they were called something else, I don't like. I think they probably still would have been called out, but not so yeah. not as yeah. much. It's just because like, what are you presenting? Yes. What are you yeah. What are you presenting yourself as? Like, I think if, if, if Obsidian all of a sudden did a season where there were no black people whatsoever, like, sometimes Obsidian does plays written by white people, yeah. but then they do an all, you know, it's just, like, supporting black artists in yeah. all ways, in design, in producing. Yeah. It's not just about the performer or the playwright. There's yeah. so many other aspects to it. But if you're putting forward that you are Canadian stage, then what people see as Canada is different than it was when Canadian stage was formed. Absolutely. But Canadian stage hasn't changed. Absolutely. So that's the that's the problem, and that's why they're getting called out. But there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that are that you know they're like that. They're, mm-hmm. they're oh, yeah. still they haven't changed, and they haven't changed to reflect the world around them. Mm-hmm. And we got to call them out on it, mm-hmm. um, especially when they are Canadians. Like, <laughs> if you're going to do that, you know, yeah. Anyway, like I got I got called out when I cut my hair because and other people were like, "You're a little black afro." What do you? What do you mean? You did, got, you, did you? Did you shave it off or something? What did I you got it. So I, I, did, I had like just rocking a huge fro for like, I don't know, something stupid like ten years. <laughs> I within those ten years, you know, I was getting it trimmed and yeah, it was yeah. growing out. But then uh, this past holiday season, I like shaved it all off, and the first thing people say, "Well, was it still called little black afro." <laughs> You you can call it little black shaved head. You can call it little black. It's so funny. You're so funny. I don't. Know. It's, it's just. It's like when people are like, "Luke, I'm your father." I'm like, "Ha ha ha!" Yeah, like, how well, original are you? You haven't heard that. I've like never heard that years. before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a hashtag no fro. Hashtag hashtag no fro. I don't know. It's like I don't know. Little shit. black no fro. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't just change, you, know, you don't just change the name. Anyway. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll just have to change. The, I'll have to change the, the artists we work with to just have less hair. Just less hair. Yeah. We. I'm sorry. This year we're only working. With we're only working with people bald with bald heads. So it's a new you thing are we're doing. A man or a woman. That's our next season. Next season, everybody's shaved head. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for talking with me today. It's been awesome. Thanks for inviting me into this study pod.